DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined by Father Christopher Collins, who was the Vice President for Mission at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota. His research and teaching have been in the areas of systematic theology and spirituality. Father Collins is the author of Three Moments of the Day and The Word Made Love. He regularly gives retreats around the country based on the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. With Father Christopher Collins, we go inside the pages of Habits of Freedom, Five Ignatian Tools for Clearing Your Mind and Resting Daily in the Lord, published by Ave Maria Press. Father Collins, thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Well, I hope people are going to look forward to getting out as soon as possible to pick up a copy of Habits of Freedom, Five Ignatian Tools for Clearing Your Mind and Resting Daily in the Lord. This is an absolutely wonderful book. Thank you so much for writing it. Well, it's, it's uh, my privilege. I hope I uh, hope it's helpful for some people, too. So. I hope people have a, a wonderful opportunity to get out there to, to pick up a copy of the book because you help us to really navigate the spiritual life and our daily practices. And that's really important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it usually plays out, especially in the little particulars of the day, you know, and I think that's where this kind of spirituality uh, can be helpful. And, and also we never perfect these things either. You know, I, I certainly haven't. Uh, so we're all on the way and the Lord's kind of walking along with us. So we just keep, keep practicing. Oftentimes we are able to go to a retreat and to encounter some of the, the wonderful teachings from St. Ignatius of Loyola, the opportunity to really benefit from his understanding of the spiritual exercises. But yet those exercises aren't just for a retreat, and whether it be a three-day, eight-day, or even a 30-day they are something that can help benefit our lives every day. No, absolutely. And I, I think of that a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm a Jesuit priest, and so this is part of the spirituality that I've just kind of grown up in within the Jesuits. But I, I really think, you know, St. Ignatius of Loyola, who did the spiritual exercises, jotted down notes about how he was drawing close to God over time, just in his ordinary life, and that became the spiritual exercises. But especially within those, he has these rules for discernment of spirits, he calls them. And I really think the, the practicality of those little insights that he's got about how to discern when the Holy Spirit is moving us and how to discern when the evil spirit is kind of isolating us and getting us into discouragement and just those insights about how to know when those things are happening and how to counteract the evil spirit or the enemy of our human nature, as he calls Satan. I just think those are probably the best gift that he gave to the church, uh, St. Ignatius did. Of course, he learned from other people too, Benedictines and lots of others, but it is a great gift to the life of the church. Isn't it really ultimately learning to listen in prayer and to be able to hear, there's the term, to discern what it is that we're hearing, whether it's of the world or maybe our own psychology, what is possibly the enemy, and what is truly from God? I mean, knowing to understand what we're hearing is so important, isn't it? It is. And to try to keep listening in prayer and then also in just ordinary 
life, all the things that go on in life. Cause that's, I think the real um, part of the great gift of the discernment of spirits is it has everything to do with what are we experiencing just on a day-to-day basis, just being human beings and, and living in the world. And a lot of times we don't know what's happening in the moment, but after the fact we can reflect and say, well, something was off there and I got turned in on myself and discouraged. So there must've been something of the evil spirit at work there or in hindsight, at the end of the day, looking back and to say, you know, my heart was really big and open and creative and generous. And that, that was of God, you know, it was, I was just doing ordinary stuff during the day, but that was an action of the, of the Holy spirit when I'm really kind of in the zone and living an ordinary human life. And so a lot of times those things aren't as clear until after the fact, when we can look back and remember too. And that's part of the practices of the day too. Just to be clear, to, to use that word, just to be clear for folks, when we're speaking about the discernment of spirits, especially through the teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola, we're not necessarily talking about what may be understood by some to be those charismatic gifts of the discernment of spirits. It, that can be a little confusing, can it? First of all, as human beings, we're free. We have free will, definitely, and we can make our own decisions and so on. But it's also the case that the Holy Spirit is constantly trying to encourage us to be an advocate for us. That's one of the terms for the Holy Spirit, uh, giving us the grace that we need to be more loving and be more hopeful and, and faithful and so on. But it's also the case that the, the, the evil one or the evil spirit is trying to mess that up and trying to divide us from God and divide us from one another too. So all those things are happening all at the same time. I'm free and the Holy Spirit is trying to encourage me to be more loving and the evil spirit is trying to get me cut off from God and from one another and from myself too. So whether we know it or not, all those things are happening all the time in us on a daily basis. And so this way of talking about discernment of spirits is really about how to keep trying to navigate and, like I say, practice on a daily basis, uh, cooperating with the Holy Spirit and learn when to reject the evil spirit. I love the fact that you bring forward that discernment, really, it's virtue, as it were, or its gift is prudence, learning how to live with that grace of prudence, isn't it? It is, right. You know, even in choosing the title for the book, so something about that phrase, habits of freedom, grab me, because it really is about a habit. When you talk about virtues, and a habit is never perfected. It's just always being practiced, you know, and we get a little bit better at it sometimes, and then sometimes we lose that habit and we get less good <laughs> at these things. But it's about practice and habit and cultivating that, those, these virtues, among which certainly is prudence. But these play out in ordinary things on a, on a daily basis, you know. It's not, it's not just getting some insight and then uh, alone. And insight alone doesn't really do much. It, this is about putting these things into practice so that I can become more free. Certainly the way that Ignatian spirituality kind of talks about things. Ultimately, we're made for freedom, you know, freely loving God with our whole heart and mind and soul, you know, freely loving the people around us. It's about authentic freedom, which is always oriented toward love. And it's not just doing whatever I want to do. It's about being authentically free to be a human being, to be loving fully, you know, and to have our heart fully engaged and freely given away too. So that's kind of what's, I think, at stake here. So it's maybe a slightly unique way of kind of thinking about who we, who we are as human beings and, and what we're made for. 
Well, I want to encourage folks to go out and pick up a copy of Habits of Freedom, the five Ignatian tools for clearing your mind and resting daily in the Lord. And right there in the introduction, you give us a a nice overview of what the discernment of spirits entails. And having that as your groundwork, then you dive into the interior of the book and how to develop those five habits. Right. And, you know, to be honest, I I kind of just took some liberty to consolidate a little bit and, and zero in on a few of the, what I think are the most helpful or accessible rules for discernment of spirits that Ignatius talks about. He has lots more than those, but I tried to zero in on some of the, some of the big ones uh, in my mind and in my experience too, and kind of try to put that into my own language and see how that plays out in ordinary life and even see how those play out in, in some different stories from scripture too, that these, you know, Ignatius didn't make this up out of nowhere, obviously. He learns from the whole tradition too. So especially in in the story of salvation history and scripture, we see these dynamics playing out again and again. And they also play out in our ordinary lives too. Well, your founder was a remarkable man and he shared what he lived out himself. I mean, this process of where he came up with the spiritual exercises, just if you ever have the opportunity for the listener out there to read the life of St. Ignatius, especially in those years after he's injured, that struggle to try to figure out what it is that God is calling them to and what's he experiencing, and even in those everyday situations. And again, I think it's important sometimes with saints, like we can kind of put them on pedestals and think they're just totally different species than us. But that's just not the case uh, with any of them, but certainly with Ignatius, too. I mean, he was a regular guy with regular disordered attachments in life and wanted to be rich and famous and powerful and a famous soldier and so on. And then it all got thrown up for grabs when he got wounded in battle. So life happened to him, you know, and that was the beginning of his conversion when everything got kind of knocked out of balance and and then he started to pay attention more to what is going on? What's going on in my own spirit? Where is God active there? And so that was the beginning, just even in his recovery time, that was the beginning of what he would later refer to as uh, a way of discerning spirits. And, and you know, he learned a lot on his own, but he also learned from everybody else. He was very adamant about trying to find, go out and seek holy people and talk to them, and especially Benedictine monks, you know, that try to learn from other, he tried to learn from everybody, you know, and then just had a way of sort of piecing it together in a, in a way that was, I think, pretty accessible for a lot of people too. So that's kind of his genius is just putting together other things that he learned that other people came up with before him. So that aspect of his life is, I just love the, the stories, especially, you know, as he has this zeal to be able to somehow live out the, the lives of the saints He's trying to be Francis, or he wants to be Dominic. He wants to go out and be all those things. And as you said, just being open to what the Benedictines had to share with him about the importance of the scriptures. That's what we find in the exercises, isn't it? It is, really. And, and I think it, you know, it also comes from, again, just his own experience. You know, He became very zealous, obviously, for God and giving greater glory to God and wanting to imitate the saints because they gave glory to God. But really the fundamental conversion that he went through at the beginning was 
he was more concerned about giving glory to himself, right? He still was ambitious and saw all kinds of different ways and had zeal, but his primary zeal was self-centered, that, as he would acknowledge later on. You know, he was a, I was a young man given to the vanities of the world, he said. So he always had all these natural gifts and passion, but at first it was all focused on himself, and then he actually found that pretty exhausting on his recovery bed. And then he started to reorient that passion, not to himself, but to God. And I think that's a good way of thinking about a fundamental conversion of heart is self-satisfying or self-seeking and then turning away from that, but still using all that natural gifts we have, but giving glory to God and serving and loving others instead. And that's where our true freedom comes in when we get our focus off of ourselves and onto others and ultimately onto God. Well, that's really that detachment, the first habit that you have there, allow disruption. Because Ignatius had to do that. I mean, he had to give up so much of what he thought things should be, or even how things should play out, and to be open. You bring it all the way back into our lives every day. Just listen and be aware, and maybe, just maybe, you might have to make some changes. To be honest, it was kind of poignant in writing this book because I was asked to write the book. And at that point, a couple of years ago, I, I said, there's no way I can try to write another book. It's just super busy what I was doing. And then I can barely answer my emails, you know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we all got thrown off balance with uh, COVID and the lockdown all over the world. And then all of a sudden, I had a lot of time on my hands. And so I wrote, I wrote back and said, well, I guess I could start trying to work on a book here. And it was especially poignant because there's another example. I mean, for Ignatius, it was his cannonball moment, as they say, he got thrown off balance. And then all of a sudden, like the entire world was thrown off balance in COVID and in the lockdown. And, and so that's part of the first chapter saying, you know, stuff happens all the time to us that, that throws us off balance. Uh, the world gets turned upside down in a way never like before with, the shutdown, but that's okay. It's okay if we get thrown off balance, if we get find ourselves out in the desert all of a sudden for whatever reason. I don't want to be there. Nobody wants to be there, but life happens. And that's actually when God can become very prominent in our lives and we get our priorities rearranged too. So that's part of the thing of it's not the end of the world if things get thrown upside down, uh, because that's actually when the when we can really start to experience the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then that's also when the evil spirit can get very active too and drawing us into discouragement and uh, fear and so on. Well, your encouragement to practice the examine prayer. I think we can do that, can't we, folks? I mean, can we not set our phones to a, a, an alarm at the very least, maybe in midday, and then to know before you go to bed or whatever that might be, just for a few minutes, just to stop. Let's see, where am I? What's the disruption possibly that's happening today? Right. Yeah. And to me, and, and a lot of people might be familiar with that examine, but some, one way of thinking about it that I think is helpful is really what the, at the core of the examine is just, like you say, taking a few minutes to just stop, but just remember, start with just what is it that has gone on today? Just on a real human level, literally just remember 
because a lot of times we're so busy and we just keep moving on to the next thing. But what has already gone on in this day, the people that I've met, the experiences that I had, the things that I saw or heard or felt or smelt anything, you know, and then just in that act of remembering, which is a really powerful gift that we've got spiritually, just remember stuff. And automatically, all of a sudden, some places of great grace can come up. You know, there's some beautiful things that have gone on in this day. If I just take a little bit of time to go back and try to recall, and you see great gifts and you see actions of the Holy Spirit just by remembering. And then also when we remember, we probably remember some things we'd rather not remember. You know, maybe I acted kind of snarky to somebody or I got impatient and or I got gossipy about something with somebody and I just got kind of small hearted and I kind of wince when I look back on what has happened in that moment. I said, well, that's not good. There were other things that were very good, but that wasn't good. And that was not of God if I got kind of small hearted in certain moments. And so honestly, just remembering what already happened gives us a ton of material to pray with. And then we can talk to the Lord about that, those different things. On the one hand, thanking God for the gifts that are there, especially the little things. And then also, if things went south and I got kind of bitter or mean-spirited about something, well, I can talk to God about that too and say, I'm, I don't know what happened there. I got turned in on myself. That's not good. I don't, that's not me. That's not the real me. And I want to I wanna try to make a change there, pay attention to what sucked me into that <laughs> dynamic to, to begin with. I think that's such a, a wonderful lead to that other, the second habit is to remember who I am and whose I am. Remembering is different than dwelling and I mean that more in a negative connotation, that sometimes we get stuck in something that isn't real. But to be able to authentically remember who I am, who God is, and why I was created, essentially, isn't that the gist of the 30 days? Right. What I was just talking about, the examine on a daily basis, that's just remembering the particulars, which is very good. But also in a deep way, remembering who I am most fundamentally I'm really the beloved son of God. I'm one of God's beloved sons and your beloved daughter of God, right? So there's a whole chapter on that, which really, again, is rooted in obviously Jesus and his experience at the baptism. He doesn't do anything in his ministry until he first undergoes that baptism because everything flows from that. As he goes under those waters in the Jordan River and he comes up and he's got nothing to hold on to there, right? He himself is put out into an unstable place in the desert. But when he's got nothing else to hold on to or fall back on, the one thing that is given is his identity. And the father says, you are my beloved son, and in you I'm well pleased. That's all you need to know, right? And if you think about it, that's all he takes into his mission from then on is knowing who he is, right? And, and that's true for us too. I think so. There's like the little particular remembering of the activities and so on, on a daily basis, but the big remembering that we do well to try to remind ourselves constantly for the rest of our lives is that most fundamentally, no matter what's going on in life and all the particulars, most fundamentally, I am beloved of God and God delights in me as his beloved child. 
And that, if we could really let that in, then all the other stuff starts to take care of itself from then on. You know, we've got the confidence that we need to do the things that we need to do and the peace and the the humility, too, to keep listening to that, keep receiving that. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Inside the Pages. And in the book, what's so helpful is after each one of the habits, you help guide us into a reflection or some type of practice to help us begin to practice the habit. You've got to learn how to do it. You've got to have glimpses of how it's done, right? Right, exactly. And actually, I'm very grateful my my assistant that I used to work with at St. Louis University, Judy Buncher, she helped put those real practical reflection questions together because she's really good on these, these books and book clubs and so on. And she knows just the right kind of question to ask. So to start a, a conversation within a group. So I'm grateful to Judy for helping me on that side of the book too. So, um, and to do that in friendship also, that was, it was kind of a neat experience writing the book and we had become good friends over the years too. And to be able to do that together was great. But yeah, some pointed questions that can spark conversation, either in our own personal reflection or else in, in a group setting. If there, let's say a prayer group wanted to 
make use of this book and share with one another. She has a great way of helping open up hearts after a little bit of reading too. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a whole section in the back is small group discussion guide. So this really is conducive for that. This would be great for like RCIA. It would be great for at most just small groups. Um, any, any one who wants to get together and you don't have to wait for Lent folks that you can start this like right now, right? You can do that in ordinary time too. Exactly. It's never too soon. Again, in realizing who you are, then you have to begin to realize that that was coming, this idea that maybe I'm, I'm hearing something about myself somewhere that it's just not true, or I'm believing something about myself, or I just don't understand. That, as you said, you have to reject the lie. And there are a multiplicity of lies that are being thrown at us all day long, isn't there? For sure. And again, that's not just us that go through that. To me, that's the next chapter of the book really is, you know, after we try to remember who we are as beloved of God, just like with Jesus in the, in the Jordan River, it's very telling that the very next movement in the gospel is he goes out to the desert, farther out into the desert, and the evil one approaches him and tries to start dividing what was given before. The father said, you are my beloved. And then right after that, the enemy says, if you are the son of God, then you prove it. That's the first temptation. Turn these stones into bread. Well, Jesus says a version of, I don't need to prove it. I know who I am. <laughs> right? I don't need to show anything. We fall for that kind of thing all the time. Like we feel like we have to justify ourselves or prove ourselves or get the esteem of others and then get ourselves tangled up in a whole variety of ways. So we fall for that temptation. Jesus does not. He, he's confident in who he is. No, I'm the beloved son. I know who I am. I don't need to play this game. And then the other one is the next temptation after that, you know, throw yourself off the parapet of the temple. See if he make, make the father prove it, make him prove that you're the beloved of his. And he says, no, he doesn't need to prove it either. <laughs> I'm just solid in this relationship. And so the simplicity of that, I think is so great, but it's telling that the evil one tries all kinds of different tactics to basically get us to forget, you know, like we talked about how important remembering is remembering who I am. In some ways, the evil one is the one always tricking us into forgetting who we are. Well, I'm not beloved or I'm not worthy or I'm not adequate. So I better prove it or I better work harder and try to impress people or cut other people down to make myself look better. Or, but all of that is based on forgetting who I already am as beloved, you know? So in a deep way, I think that's how the evil one works on, on all of us. And like I say, unfortunately, we fall for a lot of those tricks <laughs> that we know how to get out of it because we know who the person of Jesus is and the confidence that he's got. Well, I thought it was really a wonderful image, as it were, that you gave to us. I mean, it was for me to realize I knew this, but I guess I didn't put it together quite like this, that there's the spirit of the desert and what you just talked about, that one of temptation, but then there's the spirit of the water. And again, you go back to your baptism. It goes back to the water where Jesus was and the full acknowledgement and just the embrace of the love of the Father. Right. Yeah, and honestly, I think that we can do that for the rest of our lives, just try to return again and again and again to the, to the waters of the Jordan and to our own baptism 
because the, the same thing was given to, that was given to Jesus. It's also been given to us, you know, from the moment on of our own baptism, the father has says to us too, you are my beloved. The only thing you need to know is you are my beloved and you're well-pleased period. Right. Just let that in. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so simple. It's not easy to let it in, but it's very simple. And if we could really let that in, and let that take over our hearts and our the way that we see ourselves, then we're going to live lives of great freedom and joy and generosity and love. You know, we're not going to be consumed about our own issues. We're going to get our focus on other people and be agents of God's love for them too, because they are our brothers and sisters because God sees them also as his beloved too. So it's so it's, you know, in the end, it's really pretty simple. It seems to me again, not easy to carry out, but it's the basic truths are pretty simple. And just to be reinvited back into that again and again, I think is a, a task for all of us. I'm so grateful for your book, Habits of Freedom, Five Ignatian Tools for Clearing Your Mind and Resting Daily in the Lord, uh, Father Collins, because one of the rules, the fourth one, having uh, practiced the first three, I think this one on the surface may not look so hard, but I think it's probably the hardest of them all in a way is not to let things simmer underneath or being quiet. You need to bring it out into the light. You need to talk with others. That's why the beauty of confession. The enemy, one of his great tactics is to shame you into keeping things hidden. Correct. Yep, absolutely. And I I think uh, it's so beautiful to me and kind of mysterious how powerful a genuine dialogue can be. You know, part of what I talk about in there is that we get we get stuck as human beings, oftentimes talking to ourselves about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> we keep stuff in our heads and we got these old mantras going on and monologues in our own head. And they're usually the ones that we get stuck with are really leading to discouragement all the time. You know, if I'm muttering about something to myself about maybe it's some failure of mine or something that I messed up and I just keep beating myself up about it. Why did you do that? You, you ruined everything. You know, you could have had a good life, but you messed this up. And so we, we, we judge ourselves a lot and we also judge other people a lot. Like we mutter to ourselves about this person or that group of people, they're ruining everything. And, you know, when I'm muttering like that to myself, I end up in discouragement. And that is just, that's just not of God, right? And so I think the basic invitation there is don't talk to yourself. It's just deadly, right? And we're not made to talk to ourselves. We're made to be in relationship. We're made to be in relationship with God and with one another. So don't talk to yourself, talk to others, you know, don't do monologues, make the monologue a dialogue, right? So get out into the open some of that stuff that we get stuck talking to ourselves about. And it's really amazing sometimes, you know, when you say stuff out loud that you've really been consumed with or you, they become huge, you know, mountains of oppression in different ways and you know, sometimes just on a, even on a human level, when I say some crazy thought that's in my head and I say it out loud, we start laughing. I think that's very interesting because it just sounds so crazy once you get it out in the open. 
You know, oh. so this this little monologue that has like consumed me, all of a sudden, it just sounds goofy as soon as I say it out loud. And I think there's something very mysterious and excellent about that, you know. And so we're made to be talking things out ultimately with God, uh, both speaking and listening. And don't keep it to yourself, right? Whether it's shame or judgment of others, all that toxic stuff that we mutter to ourselves about. Don't do that. It's leading us into discouragement and it's a dead end. And it's just not, it's not our true selves either when we're stuck in those kind of monologues. So in different ways, I kind of try to uncover that dynamic in that chapter. Yeah. I, what I love about it is that all these habits, they all complement each other. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, bringing something forward that's bothering me. Sometimes when I, it comes out, what I thought I was feeling or sensing, and I say it out loud, I'm speaking to a good spiritual friend or my spouse or whoever that might be, I realize there's the disruption in some ways. I might be disrupted, and I have to be open to it because once I get it out there, I realize, well, that was, and I'm speaking for myself, but that was just dumb. You know, what was I thinking? I have to change the way I'm thinking or there's where the, they all kind of complement each other. They do. And, you know, the thing is, there's always some element of truth in whatever we're, we're talking to ourselves about, about. Otherwise, we wouldn't get fixated on it. But it's not the whole truth. That's the point, you know. We don't get the whole truth or the fullness of perspective on life or what's going on until we're in a place of dialogue with the Lord, you know, there's always some bit of truth, but we're latching onto just a portion of it. And that's a distortion of, of who we really are. And also what, what reality is right now too, you know? So there's something really great about, obviously that plays out in the context of prayer, obviously in the context of confession, spiritual direction, but also real ordinary stuff too. A good friend that you can really honestly say something out loud to And then it's like, well, that doesn't sound totally right. (laughs) Maybe there's more to this. However, I'm seeing this situation or this thing going on in my life right now. Again, in the habit of going out, I mean, essentially being a contemplative in action, as St. Ignatius would tell the Jesuits and all of us. Well, our Lord said that. Go, you know, love God and love your neighbor. Right. Um, Be Christ in the world. And Teresa of Avila would say that if you're feeling like you're in desolation in her terminology, and I'm paraphrasing, but get up and do be, don't allow yourself to sink. Right. Yeah. Apparently I never knew my one grandfather on my mom's side, her dad, but he had eight kids in the house uh, and all within nine years, I think. And one of his lines used to be, if the kids are getting ornery or fighting or crabby about whatever, he'd say, get outside, go run around the block and blow the stink off you. There you go. (laughs) Like literally get out of this house and go, (laughs) if nothing else, just go run around the block. Well, that's pretty good advice. Like uh, when we're not just kids too, like sometimes even with all these spiritual practices that we're talking about as important as they are, it's also important to just get out of the house, get out of the office, get out of wherever we are and go do something, (laughs) go experience reality out there go for a walk go help somebody go see who you run into and god's going to do something in those experiences too you know 
I think that's a great thing about the Gospels, too. It seems like a lot of what Jesus does during his ministry is just kind of roaming around, and then whoever he ends up encountering, that's what needs to happen, you know? Um, doesn't have a, doesn't seem to have a big pre-planned agenda. He just goes about, <laughs> he goes about doing good. Mm-hmm. That was one of the scriptures that we had in uh, this memorial mass today for from Acts of the Apostles, talking about who Jesus is. One thing he did is he just went about. <laughs> he went about doing good. So get out there and act. Get out there and live. Get out there and encounter other people. And some of it's going to be great. And also some things are going to really throw you off kilter again. <laughs> and then that gets you back to the first phase that we talked about of being displaced sometimes. So when we live, sometimes things don't go the way we want them to, but that's okay. You know, so we, we just keep living, getting ourselves out there. Then God keeps walking with us and, and accompanying us along the way. And, and, and we can find our way to that true freedom. If we keep both the action and the contemplation going. Father Collins, this book is, is wonderful. Habits of freedom, five Ignatian tools for clearing your mind and resting daily in the Lord. I just have to think that, St. Ignatius back in his day, didn't he write at one point, and I'm again, I'm paraphrasing, but during the course of your day, the enemy, you're going to be like, all kinds of things will assail you. All kinds right. of things are going to come and buzz around you. Could he have ever perceived that as we live in now, literally, there's no silence. And if there is, it's almost a suffering for some of us because we've become so addicted to having, whether it's something in the car, it's something in the house, can't even walk around a lake without pods in your ears. All right. No, lots of challenges um, for sure. And, but I guess in different ways he had, he had, he had similar challenges in, in his day too, but we certainly have plenty of them now, but, but it's also the same way forward for our, our sense of, of freedom in the Lord is so it, it's still kind of back to the basics again. <laughs> like um, if things Getting thrown up for grabs, it's okay. God is there. And we just got to keep remembering who we are, keep rejecting the lies and the distortions, talk things out with the people we love, including the Lord, and don't get stuck in our own thoughts. And then also get out, get, get out and blow the stink off you and get out in the world and live and encounter people. And that's where we can love is really out there in the world too, is as crazy as it is, right? Right. That's still the place where we can encounter the Lord. Well, I probably need to get out and blow some stink off me. Me too. <laughs> yes, don't we all? Gosh, I wish we had more time. Any final thoughts, Father? No, I'm just so grateful for the chance to talk this over with you. And it, it's really it's really a gift. And, and again, it's on an ongoing basis. So I'm grateful for the chance to chat. And this always is a good reminder for me about what I need to be doing too. <laughs> you know, because again, I don't do this perfectly myself. And I want to be under, you know, uh, being under any kind of illusion that I'm any kind of expert on this, but we're all, we're all on the way and the Lord's sticking with all of us too. So thank you so much for the opportunity here. It's been a real time and a gift for us. So we just appreciate you so much, Father Collins. Thank you. Okay. God bless you all. With Father Christopher Collins, we've gone inside the pages of Habits of Freedom, five Ignatian tools for clearing your mind and resting daily in the Lord. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to Ave Maria Press, the website for its publisher, Ave Maria Press. Or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. 
to hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it on the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel it's worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.